Father, thank you for this day and for your love, your grace, your mercy, your teaching and guiding. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence here amongst us and your anointing for this message for all who are here and that hear it and ever will hear this message. Let this message begin to break every yoke, to break the chains that bind and to heal everywhere they hurt all of your children, Lord, and those who would become your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today, just want to get right into the Word. Turn over to Romans chapter 14, verse 23. Romans chapter 14, verse 23. If you have your Bibles or device that you use to read your Bible, I just want to look at the last half of that scripture. It says, Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. It's pretty simple. I like simple. The gospel is simple. I like Dr. Seuss's comment. Sometimes the questions are hard. The answers are simple. The gospel is only hard for those who are living apart from it. In opposition to it. You see? But Romans 14, 23 tells us that whatever is not of faith is sin. So, when we talk about sin, are we talking about just breaking one of the, the Ten Commandments? I saw a deal where, I won't say his name, because still love him, but a famous preacher who's like very father-like on television. His son, who is also a more popular preacher than him, uh, came out last week and said that Christians don't have to live by the Ten Commandments. And I, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he was probably misunderstood in what he was saying. Because in a sense... That's the Ten Commandments were the only things written in stone were set aside at the cross. They were the thing, that thing which Satan used to accuse the brethren. And it was nailed to the cross with Jesus. He fulfilled requirements of the law. And so now, though we live of a, a much higher standard, to be honest with you, a much higher standard, the law of love Believe me, it incorporates all of the Ten Commandments and then some. Because if you're truly operating in love, God's kind of love, not man's love, which is really just lust and thinks of itself. But if you're really operating in love, you will never break one of the Ten Commandments. Nevertheless, and it says again in 1 John 3, verse 4, he says, whoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. So we know that breaking those commandments is sin. It hasn't changed. 
But that's not all. Just doing... Sin isn't just doing what we know is wrong. It's also failing to do the thing that we know is right. The things that we should. The sin of omission, you know. A lot of times we know we probably should go and do this one thing or the Lord puts on our heart to be a blessing to someone or in some way and we just act like we don't hear Him. That's really sin. The good thing is that the provision for sin has been made, right? So we don't, we don't get in a place of condemnation because we have Jesus. And He paid for our sin, past, present, and future. But we don't ever want to open a door for the enemy, and that's what sin does. And we want to live in agreement with God, don't we? That's why we learn about it and talk about it. So I think that's an interesting point, though, that it's just not breaking one of God's big ten that is sin. It's also not doing the things that we know to do. And I want to say that according to the Bible... Because it doesn't matter what I say. There's a preacher on every corner and they, a lot of them disagree. I find that so bizarre and disheartening in this age in which we live. Because if, uh, if the people representing God, the God that we know to be the one true and living God and the, the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, if those of us representing Him and making disciples in His behalf don't even, dis, don't even agree. Well, that's, that's pretty, uh, can be pretty discouraging for the body of Christ, I would imagine. It always was for me. That's one of the excuses I gave Him when He called me. What do you want me for? The church on every corner and they all disagree. What am I going to say? <laughs> Then I, I knew I'd get out of it this way. I said, well, if you want me, you're going to have to teach me. And he said, okay. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I'm not complaining. But I believe he has and still does. And he's faithful and I've been faithful to my call. And I love him. And I love his people. But Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart... So he is. So we're talking about our actions. If it's not, if it's not something of faith, it's sin. And that makes it pretty simple. I like to keep things simple. Am I operating in faith? My motivation. Remember, I preached a lot about motives because man looks on the outer appearance; God looks on the heart. So we may be doing one thing for everybody to see. But it may not really be, our motives might be per selfish, you know. That might not be who we are. Well, God knows, doesn't he? So based on the fact that the Bible teaches us as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Wouldn't it be fair then to say that our beliefs drive our actions? I think so. 
Our beliefs drive our actions. So, based on that, if it's not faith, it's sin. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So it's our beliefs that really ultimately drive our actions. I mean, you can, you can be a hypocrite for a little while. But maybe if you're fearful, you know, or under great pressure, you might do something that you don't really believe is what you should do. Somebody puts some pressure on you or, you know, if you're operating in fear, the fear of man or the fear that someone may do harm to you if you don't, whatever. There's some reasons you could, you could act against what the things that you really believe. But, but overall, our actions follow our hearts. So, if our actions generally follow our hearts, and so we're acting on what we truly believe in our hearts, then controlling our actions is really, can boil it down to controlling what we believe in our hearts. I'm going somewhere. Are y'all with me? If it's not, if it's not faith, it's sin. And sin is not just Breaking the Ten Commandments, one of those, it's doing, it can be the error of omission. In other words, we, we, we just neglect to do the good thing that we know God would like for us to do. Thank God there's forgiveness for our sins, and Jesus has provided that. So we're not trying to get a condemning thing here, but we're trying to understand. So if we're not... It can, it can be just failing to do that thing which we know is right. And we see by Proverbs 23, 7, a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So our beliefs drive our actions. And we can, we can act in opposition to our, our thinking for a short time or under se- severe circumstances, fear or stress. I'm repeating everything just to make sure we got it. But inevitably... Inevitably, our actions are going to follow our heart. And so we've come to this conclusion that the key to controlling then our actions is controlling what we believe in our hearts. So you see how we come to that conclusion? And that's biblical, wouldn't you say? We're not just making that up, which is how it should be. I'm doing that because I just sit there and said that they're a preacher on every corner and most, a lot of them disagree. So which one should we agree with? If we can't even trust that, <laughs> the ones that go by the word of God. All scripture is God breathed and given by inspiration of God. Amen. So we need to rightly divide the word and teach accordingly. And so we come to this place. Well, I want to control my actions because the Lord says He's called me to a life of faith and if it's not faith, it's sin. So let me operate in faith. And I see that what motivates me is what I truly believe. So if I'm acting one way or another, it has to do with my, my thought process, my because my beliefs in my heart is what's motivating me to act the way that I do, either good or bad. So coming to that point, holiness then 
It's simple. It's not just living by a list of thousands of do's and don'ts. But if we just believe right, then we'll act right. <laughs> Does that sound fair? Based on everything we just said twice to make sure we understood it? So if we're acting contrary to the Word of God, then truthfully, we're believing contrary to God's Word in some way. In other words, sin is not hormonal. If somebody goes out and commits adultery, it's really a result of them not having the same values as God. If they put the same importance and value on marriage as God does, they wouldn't be committing that sin, would they? It's all in their thinking. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. He's believing in some way that God is not providing sufficiently. Or there's lots of other things. I could list, I could list 20 things right now just off the top of my head that God says about marriage and sexual sin and and His love and provision for us, that someone that commits that sin is not agreeing with. Not really. They might say they do, but now look. Man looks on the outer appearance, God looks on the heart. They're not really believing like He does. They're not really in agreement with God. The same thing goes for somebody who would, who would abuse somebody. A spouse or a child or... Just be an abusive person, a malicious person, a mean person, a hateful person, a jealous person. I know a lot of people that operate in jealousy. That's not godly. It's not godly. And what it boils down to is that we're not agreeing with God in some way. show you a little thing that's coming to mind how this applies second kings chapter 4 it even applies in situations where miracles are desired we all like miracles we all like the blessing of god we all like the provision of God. Well, if we believe that God is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him, then that's going to have an effect on our, on our actions, on our mind. We've been talking about hope for the last several weeks. How faith, hope, and love are so intertwined and interconnected that they, they just can't be separated. They're all working together for good. For those that love God and are called according to His purpose. 
Look in 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, starts in the 8th verse. Remember the miracle of the Shunammite's son when he was raised from the dead? What set of what situation, what set of circumstances put everything in place to make that a possibility? Well, I'll tell you. Let's read verse 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed the Shunem where was a great woman and she constrained him to eat bread. She just asked him to stop and eat. The man of God. And so it was that as often as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed, and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick, and it shall be, when he cometh to us, that he shall turn in hither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into that, the chamber and lay there. This story goes on, and this Shunammite woman and her husband are given a son, and then, but all the while, this man of God continues to, when he passes by there, and he's a great prophet of God. But she started this by inviting him to stop and eat when he passed by. And realizing this is a holy man. In other words, this man knows God. He's in God's employ. And wouldn't it be good to to do this thing for him? So, hey, husband, let's uh, let's make a room for him upstairs. And put him a bed in there. Just the simple things that he would need. And then we'll not just invite him to eat, but when he comes through here, we'll invite him to stay. And he took him up on it. You'll see in the, in the Old Testament, these prophets, they never turned down someone's blessing toward them because they didn't want to block their blessing. <laughs> and so they made this little room and so he would stay there. And it just came to be part of his natural routine. That was his room from then on. Well, then when they had a kid and then he's out working one day, he's a little boy. I don't know, something like this. Three feet, four feet tall, who knows? Right around there. <laughs> he gets sick. His head starts hurting. He tells his daddy, my head, my head. So they take him into the house to his mother. And she takes him and he lays in her lap and he dies. Well, without going into the whole story, she, she goes up and she puts him on the prophet's bed. Who's gone? He's out of town. He's with the king. She sh shuts the door, leaves him in there, and, sent, and, 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 gets, uh, and goes and, and tells her husband, I, I'm going to the, the city or whatever to see, to see uh, the prophet. To see the man of God. He goes, why are you going now? You know, anyway, he, he, he kind of thought it was on. But he didn't stop her. 
you know, you're not going to stop a woman. <laughs> she got her mind made up. Knows what she's doing. Okay. She takes off and she goes to the man of God and 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 he wants to send his servant back, but she's no, you come, you know. And basically, she couldn't even talk. But God finally showed the prophet what was going on, and and he went with it. And he laid on the boy, and he he uh, was raised from the dead. It's hard not to get into the story because there's, but I've preached on that many times. But the point here is the is is the miracle, an amazing miracle, yeah. Everybody would love that sort of thing to be available to them. And it was only available because this woman had sowed the seed for this miracle. You see? You see that? She had set her life up for this miracle. Miracles sprout from seeds. Everything in the kingdom of God is in seed form. And so sometimes it's good just to ask ourselves, what are we doing to prepare for our miracles? Now, let me back up just to make sure we know that this woman didn't earn the miracle. God doesn't owe us anything. But just like... Just like... I use electricity as an example a lot of times. Wood is not a, a conductor of electricity. So if we tried to run run a line made out of a wood, a braided line or something out of wood or twine, it's to for to 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 for to our lights, it's not gonna conduct electricity for us. So we have to learn to cooperate with that law, that law of electricity, to for it to work properly, and then it's a very it's a great blessing. When it's not handled properly, it can be quite the opposite, or do nothing. And it's the same way with the spiritual laws that God has in place. We learn to cooperate with God. We learn to agree with God. And we have positioned ourselves to receive of God all the things that Jesus has already provided by grace. Amen. I'm going to run around the church here. I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> I told my wife, because she wasn't here last week, and we've been very busy. Our our. My daughter and, and her husband and the baby have been living with us for six weeks. They finally moved into their house while they were waiting on their new house and all that. And and, uh, and all the, a lot of other things have been going on. And we've been very busy. I sure have. Did you listen? Did you ever get a chance to listen to the message from last week? And she said, "No, I didn't." Because she's always playing. She likes to listen in her car. She likes to listen in the bathtub. <laughs> it's just for her places of peace, you know. And. Uh, so she goes, I'm going to listen today. And so she listened. I heard her listen while she was getting ready for work. And then she finished it on her way to work. And she called, and she just was so excited. And she told me this, this um, one of her friends was going to listen 
to the message because she must have got excited and told her about it. She's going to listen to it on her break or, or tonight or something like that. And I, I told her, I said, listen, I, I'm not, you know, I don't push my messages on anybody or whatever. But I told her, it, it's. I think it's very important to listen to the last several weeks. I wish the whole world could listen to the last several weeks because God is up to something. Hello? I can feel it. I can... I can feel the anointing is so strong right now that I, I wouldn't dare take credit for anything that he's saying or doing because it's all God, but he's up to something. I'm, I'm seriously, I feel like I'm about to elevate right here. I just feel like I'm almost floating off the, off the ground. Good things are happening. And that's why we don't live by sight. We live by faith. And that's why we're talking about <laughs> the importance of living the life of faith that we call to. Because it's just not faith, it's sin. And that's why when I tell people that don't really... There's a lot of people that call themselves Christian. There's a lot of people that say they know the Lord, and I know they don't. And I just... I don't say anything like that. Because, heck, the you know, it's... <laughs> It's hard enough. It's hard enough being a Christian these days. If all the Christians knew that you didn't believe most of them either, <laughs> you wouldn't have any friends, right? <laughs> I'm just joking, Lord, forgive me. But, but the truth is that there's a lot of people. You know, it's like uh, what were you showing me earlier, Lord? It's like somebody saying, like you mentioned, like you mentioned a store or a, a brand or something. And they say, oh, I shop there all the time. But really, all they've ever done is look through the window every time they walk by the store or they read the ad, but they've never bought anything. But, but, they're, but, but they're a big fan of that product or that store. But they, they don't shop there. There's a lot of window shoppers in Christianity. A lot of people have been looking through the window for a long time. Jesus has a whole lot of fans. He's hard not to like. But he doesn't have a lot of followers. I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to say he doesn't have any because the Lord will rebuke you anytime you, you get to acting like you're the only one. He says, no, believe me, I've, I'm never going to be left without a witness. And there are... You have brothers and sisters, all of you have brothers and sisters all around the world going through the same trials, the same concerns, the same. They're going through it. But we have God. We have hope, don't we? We don't. We're not like the rest of the world. We want them to be like us. God wants them. That's I don't know why people would hate and kill Christians all over the world. I mean, there are religions that that are dangerous and will kill you and will hurt you, but we're not one of them. We might not agree with you in your in your sin, but we will always love you. We will always protect you. I don't understand it. That's what that's what proves that it's the devil that inspires people to do the things that they do, because if they were smart they would protect and undergird Christians even if we don't necessarily agree with the choices that they make. Because we can't. If we agree with God, then we're very limited in our options. If God said it, that settles it. 
Every day I'm going to pick up my cross and I'm going to bear my cross. And that means at some point during that day I'm going to come to a crossroads where I really wish I could say this or agree with this or say that's okay, you know, hey, I'm with you. But God says, uh-uh, not, not good with that. that. That is sin. And that opens a door for the enemy to come in and hurt that person that you're wanting to agree with in their sin. So if you really love them, which I've called you to a life of love, then you can't, in good conscience, not in faith, you can't say that that is okay. You can't say that that is good. You can't believe that that is good. Otherwise, you're just seeing the natural and you're not understanding what's happening in the supernatural realm. So we need to, just like Elisha did with that servant, we need to say, God, open the young man's eyes so he can see. Well, he didn't have a problem with his natural vision. He saw they were surrounded by an enemy, an army that was there just to kill them. But spiritually, he was blind. And so God opened his eyes and he saw the army of God surrounding the army that was opposing them. And I'm sure that was quite comforting at the time. And that's what we all need is just to pray, God, open my spiritual eyes and ears so that I can see and hear you clearly and your plan for me and your protection for me and your provision for me. I want to walk in agreement with you. I, I was praying that today when I was, God was, I was, you know, I was always, well, Lord, what do you have for your people? Well, when he started sharing this with me, it started blessing me and I started saying, Lord, it's, it's my desire. I agree with you in everything. And where I don't, where I don't walk it out, forgive me, Lord, and help me. Give me the strength. Give me the grace to do your will for my life. It's a, it's a good place to be when we can get to our life to that simple place. Because I started off saying how simple this is. Faith or sin. So simple, isn't it? But then when it comes down, boiling it down to our particular lives, it gets so complicated, it seems, so hard. But it's not hard. It's not hard. It's a choice. The day we agree with God is the day everything changes for the good. God gives us hope. We need the word because this is where we hear his words and this is these are hope-filled, faith-filled words in this book. And this is what we need. And we need the Holy Spirit to come alongside us. The paraclete, that's what that means. The one who comes alongside and helps us. We need Him to help us. When we begin to read or we begin to quote or to meditate on these Scriptures, Holy Spirit, turn the light on for me. 
Help me to understand. Give me revelation knowledge of your word and your will and your way. And help me to choose you. Agree with you. Because it says in Romans that he is. First of all, the word is what gives us hope, right? Romans 15. Chapter 15, verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. And we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. What does that mean? Especially since I'm reading out of the King James today <laughs> the English the formal English for whatsoever things were written aforetime before were written for our learning to teach us that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures the scriptures provide comfort don't they might have hope We've talked about this. This is teaching us that we have this book for our benefit. God wrote a book. He wrote it to you, for you, to teach you about Him and to teach you about Christ and therefore to teach you who you are and what you are in Christ. He created you a brand new being when he saved you. Your spirit was renewed and sanctified, set apart and made holy and sealed with the promised Holy Spirit with the very mind of Christ. You do think like God. In your spirit, it's always in agreement with God. Always wanting to express itself. In joy and peace and love. It's wanting to be heard and seen by others. But we suppress it because he has to come out through our soul. And be spoken or acted upon with this body. Hello. This scripture right here, Romans 15, 4. These things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. There's somebody in this book, there's somebody in God's Holy Word that has been through what you're going through. There's somebody he wrote about in this book you think all the stories in here, everybody in this book, you think if they were just alive and they were a carnal or a fleshy person, that they would be pleased that he wrote the things they did, that he did about them in this book? No. They're happy now, though, if they're with him, you know why? Because it helps others. And so you don't have to go to God every time you have a unique situation or a trying circumstance. And find out what his thoughts are. Or what he would have you to do. Or what he might do for you. 
You don't have to put out the fleece like Gideon did to test God. All you have to do is find the person in this book who went through a similar situation and see what God did for them. And if the Bible is true in this same book, Romans chapter 2, verse 11, that says God is no respecter of persons. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, if He did it for them, He'll do it for you. Amen. Amen. Someone in the Bible has been through your problem and way worse. If you don't think it can get worse, look at Jesus Himself and what He went through. And then our afflictions can seem very light. If we have in trouble with sickness, we just look in the Bible. What does God say about sickness? Well, beloved, I wish that you would be in good health and prosper even as your soul prospers. Okay, that's God's desire for me. And we see in Acts... Oh, haven't you heard of Jesus of Nazareth who was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power and He went about healing everyone of every sickness, everyone that ever came to Him, He never turned anyone down. All who were oppressed of the devil. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. See, he healed everybody that ever came to him. Never was the answer no. Why would it be for us? He's no respecter of persons. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, if we have problems with provision, hmm. Well, I see that God was himself in need of some money one day because Peter opened his big fat mouth. And he ended up having to pay tax. And Jesus sent him down. And he found a fish. And he said, take that coin out of his mouth. First fish you get. Then pay the tax for me and you. It wasn't hard for God. Oh, these people follow me all the way out here in the desert. Now they're going to die before they can get home to eat. What do we got? Little boy, sack lunch. Okay, feed the 5,000 people with it. Make sure you pick up all the leftovers. 12 baskets full. Hello. That's not hard for God. It's hard for us to believe in God. But the moment we begin to agree with God is the moment it gets better. Everything you can imagine. There's nothing new. There's nothing that's going to freak God out. There's nothing we've done so bad that's going to shock and surprise Him. God created time here to here. This is, this is the entire history of man. You realize it's already been done? In His mind. All this has already played out. He created this time. He's not in it. He's not restrained by it. 
That's how he was able to forgive your sins, past, present, and future. And he loves you anyway. And if he did it for one, he did it for another. That poor leper. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I'm willing. I'm willing to be healed. Now we never have to ask again. Because he did it for one, he'll do it for you. He's no respecter of persons. He's never going to change. Peace I give to you. John 14, 27. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives. I'm not going to take it back. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Why? Because those things battle the gift that he gave us and will never take away. What we need to battle is the unbelief. We're called to a life of faith. And if we bring it down to simple terms, whatever I think in my heart, that's going to compel me to act. So whatever I'm doing, it boils down to how I'm thinking. And I decide now that I'm going to agree with God. I'm going to learn how what He thinks about this and this and this and this. Everything that's on my plate, I'm going to see what God says about it. And I'm going to agree with Him. I'm going to find out what promises he's made toward me. And I'm going to agree with those. I'm going to find out what it means to resist the devil. And he will flee from me. Because that's another promise that he made to me. And he's got my picture in his wallet. He's not going to lie to me. He's not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. My name is written in his hand and no one can snatch me away from him. Amen? Amen. We're going to agree with God today. Set yourself up for a miracle. Plant the seeds of faith. Live a life of expectancy. Trusting in him. Knowing that he will never leave you, never forsake you. Always be there. Always be good to His Word if we only believe. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. All men in the whole world. But we know all men are not saved in Christ, don't we? Why? Because it's God's will that all should be saved and come to the knowledge of Christ. But it's a choice. Faith is a choice. We have to choose to believe God. We have to choose just to believe that He died on the cross for our sins. And that's what ushers us into the kingdom of God. We have to believe for everything else that He's provided as well. The answer is yes. But the decision is ours whether to believe it. Amen? Dear Lord, thank You for this day and for your word we choose to trust in you to believe you to come to know 
your thoughts on all things concerning us. So teach us these things. Lead us and guide us. Put your ways and your words ever before us, Lord. And help us to agree with you and live the life of faith that you've called us to. Help us to reject doubt and unbelief and all the things that the enemy would try to get us to believe. Let us never be one that puts more faith in what the devil can do than what you can do, Lord. Because you're good, you're for us, and he hates us, and he wants us dead. Thank you for loving us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.